When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com, along with Doug Maurice and Stephen Means. It's sort of a bittersweet episode of Buckeye Talk. One of the things that we look forward to all season when you cover Ohio State football is after the Big Ten championship game, if they win, there's an open locker room. One of the only times all season you get to experience that. And everybody who's in there is available to be interviewed as opposed to the usual, very controlled interview scenarios we find ourselves in. And so every year, there's we do a draft, and even though the game isn't happening this year, we're going to do that draft for you as a discussion of the most interesting players on the Ohio State football team right now, because this is always a good indicator. Like, if you have free reign of anybody in that locker room, who are you going to first, who are you going to second? This will be, I think, a really fun conversation. Before we get to that, though, some news around college football that we think affects Ohio State football in the long run. Steve Adazio was fired today as Colorado State's head coach, according to this on Thursday. He was there for two pretty unsuccessful seasons. Two years ago, Tony Alford was rumored to be a candidate for that job, and Urban Meyer was a big part of the hiring process, and he steered them towards his former assistant coach, Steve Adazio. And I would expect... Tony offered to be high on the candidates list that Colorado State looks at this time around. Doug, does that seem to make sense to you? I mean, I think I, I would expect Colorado State to look at Ohio State's assistant coaching staff. They've got to look at Corey Dennis, who was originally going to be the quarterback's coach at Colorado State two years ago. And his father-in-law got his friend the head coaching job at Colorado State is going to be like, and then take my son-in-law to be the quarterback's coach. And then Ryan Day was like, hold on right there. We're keeping Corey Dennis. Rising star in the profession. If, if Marcus Freeman's good enough for Notre Dame, then I think Corey Dennis should be good enough for Colorado State. The tongue-in-cheek, obviously, but I think one of the best things going for Colorado State right now might be that Urban Meyer's hands are kind of full, which they weren't a year ago. He didn't, he doesn't have time right now to help Colorado state hire a coach. So listen, schools react when they do something wrong, they react the other way. And it's like Adazio was, Hey, he's been around. He had just been fired as the Boston college head coach. He'd been on big time staffs or whatever. And for whatever reason, they didn't want to go with the alum. And then that guy came and sucked. So I think then you react the opposite way. And beyond being a former running back at Colorado state, Tony Alford is very qualified for this job. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Kevin Wilson, I think, was in the mix for Colorado State last yes. time also. Again, that Kevin Wilson gets sometimes his name thrown in for things like that because he used to be the head coach at Indiana. So, yeah, I, I would 
Ohio, Ryan Day better have his have the name in his drawer of who he wants if Tony Alford leaves, because certainly that could happen. Stephen, what is the recruiting impact if Tony Alford were to leave during this coaching cycle, this hiring cycle? All the progress you've made, you have to press restart set on because none of it matters anymore. Richard Young, um, Justice Haynes, uh, Trayon Webb, you know, um, all of that. It's out the window. You got to press the restart. And now I understand, and I say that in understanding that Ryan Day doesn't necessarily do the same things that other head coaches do, where he allows his assistant coaches to handle the recruiting and he maybe comes in more as a closer. He's in there from day one, but still, that's. Tony Alford is why Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor here at the same time. It's the reason why they were going to be able to do it again in 2023. And so Tony, not to be fair, Tony Alford did just go see Dallin Hayden, a 2022 commit who will be signing on December 15th. He went to go see him. So up until this moment, there was no worry that Tony Alford might be leaving the staff, but now this is open. Yeah. If he does end up, that's probably the only way he leaves is to be Colorado state's head coach. And if that happens, that's a big time recruiting hit to what Ohio state wants to do here. Ohio State's got a lot of big-time recruiting hits happening over the last week and a half here. I I don't know if Colorado State would be the only job he would leave for because there may be other head coaching jobs at that level that come open. But it it would certainly be, I think, the most prominent one for him just because he was a star there. I think it's a a place that is a a big deal for him. Doug, with Steve Adazio, he's a guy who has extensive Urban Meyer ties. He hired Ryan Day to be his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. If something were to happen, if Greg Strudrava were not to return, if Kevin Wilson were not to return for whatever reason, do you think that makes sense to bring him to Ohio State? I mean, there's two former urban guys without a job right now and Steve Adazio and Dan Mullen. So I don't know. Does Ryan Day want to keep hiring urban guys? I mean, but it's a guy he knows too. It's a guy who hired him. No, I know, but Adazio is an urban guy. He's in the urban mafia as much as anything. Well, that's how he got to Colorado State. That's right. Adazio just makes sense because you're probably going to need an offensive line coach, but I, I agree with Doug's point. At some point, you can't just be in the Urban Meyer Mafia. At some point, you got to do something on your own here. Which is we, fine. I mean, Adazio is probably one of those guys who's who's very qualified to be a position yeah. coach, probably was out of his depth as a head coach. But maybe, right, you look for connections. So maybe, but I think Ryan Day, this is based on nothing, is probably interested in continuing to branch out on his own. Yes. The other thing that made me give it some credibility, and again, this is all just speculation, including Tony Alford being in the running for the Carlos A job. It isn't like public at any point yet. But Brian Day has also talked about like the, the concept of sort of balancing a veteran coach with a younger coach. And Adazio could be a guy who comes in as a veteran presence to balance because they did it even last year with Combs and Barnes a little bit. They did done it previously with Madison and Halfley. So on the offensive side of the ball, would they look at something like that? That's just what made me think of it. But honestly, I think Adazio might be a better candidate for like a Paul Rhodes job. Come be an analyst. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Rehab yourself for a year. Come back to a big time program. Get around it again. You know, back off a little bit. In, you know, you're not, you're not recruiting. You're just doing film stuff. And then, for instance, if there would be a change anywhere else on the staff and say they would go with somebody a little younger than you have Adazio in the building. I, I think that might be more feasible than Adazio as an assistant. Anything else on the national level we need to get to before we delve into this? What is our, what is usually one of our favorite 
moments of the season. We just don't get to actually participate in it. For well, real. again, just just uh, I'll I'll tell some Marcus Freeman stories later on because Marcus Freeman's can open his coaching career in Ohio Stadium on September third, yep. which is yep. going to be mm-hmm. bonkers. And again, this is I'm old enough now that this is like coming around. It's that Marcus Freeman, that group of guys, that senior class who came back in 2008. Those were the guys that I mean, I started in 2005. So those were the first guys I call it kind of followed all the way through their career. And I knew pretty well. James Laurinaitis, Marcus Freeman, Alex Boone, Brian Robisky, you know, guys, guys like that. And that Marcus is here is not a surprise, but it like blows my mind a little bit, too. So we, we will we'll have plenty of time to get into more Marcus Freeman uh, as we go down the line. But I just would like to say, again, that's to make it clear. We like to do the draft. People listening to this are sad, not because we don't get to do our draft and then go in the locker room, but because Ohio State is not playing for a Big Ten championship. So let's have a little context of like, it's not about us. There are thousands of people listening to us and they can tell us to cram our draft up our cram holes. That's not the point. I think it's bittersweet all the way around. Um, and probably even there may not even be any sweet in it for the people. There's nothing sweet about this. (laughs) Nothing sweet about this. Buckeye talk. The fact that we don't get to talk to people in an open locker room is so far down the list of what people care about. I just don't want yeah. people to turn off the podcast because it's self-centered sports writer mumbo jumbo. The other thing is, I don't know that we're 100 percent of the locker room would have been open in the in That's the true. lingering COVID era. Fair I don't point. know that they would have had a bunch of reporters stuffed in a locker room there. So it might not have happened anyway. That's the actually only a th- fair point. Yeah, the only thing that's the, the 1% of this that is sweet is I think people always like to talk about like who might be the next guy up, who might be some of the future stars here. And that's what some of this can do. It gives us a chance to no, talk about that. It's just an exercise to do that. It's not actually important who we would. It's it's an exercise yeah. to talk about interesting young players on the team. Yeah. But again, the point of this is back in the day, it's like Ohio State was playing to like make the playoff. And I was like, I get to talk to Tate Martell, Tate Martell. And I was like elbowing people out of the way to get like a 12-minute Tate Martell interview in the locker room of the Big Ten Championship game. I did the same thing with Matthew Baldwin, right? I mean, it is, this is, it has traditionally been an absolute opportunity for unfettered access to guys that you kind of talk to for a year. So we are each going to draft four players that we would try to talk to. And usually there is an hierarchy in this exercise again doesn't matter for this year but you know you want the guy you want most goes to the top and then it's like if i have enough time to get to number four hopefully i do but we're going to talk about them all equally today i'm going to pull rank and go first here which do you guys have a preference if you're going second or third wow oh how many let me guess who you're taking first how many people are in the top tier of guys really really want three or four but even those three or four are not equal uh I don't know. It might be a long list. I think it might. It might be six. Oh, mine's two. So, okay. There's two. Mine's two, and then there's a drop off. Okay, uh, but okay. What do you guys? Wanna, I would just like wanna... to. I would just very quickly. Here, I'm, I'm writing down a number. I'm this was Nathan's idea. This was Nathan's idea. So he's hosting. I pull rank on this podcast all the time, and the fact that I speak for seventy-eight percent. I'm trying to think. Time I just pulled rank in a draft it was like i'm picking first so just i'm just i'm just throwing that out there so I this my is battles. baird show this is baird show i pick my battles all right i've written down a number you guys each pick a number whoever's closest without going over no whoever's all right. closest all right is it eight, between like a number eight, or is it just whatever between one and ten 
Oh, okay. I was going to say 8,467. I'm glad you said between one and 10. Uh, I'll take five. Six. It was four. So, Doug, you can have the second pick. And, uh, Stephen, you will be third in this exercise. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking Quinn Ewers, first of all. Like, I mean, it's, but, and it's one of those things where he may end up being the only person I end up talking to, depending on how long he'll stand there and talk to us. But he's the most fascinating player on the roster going into this offseason. And uh, there's a lot we don't know about how this season went for him. Everything kind of unfolded behind closed doors. We heard little bits and snippets here and there from Ryan Day about, well, he, he's starting to figure out like where he's supposed to walk. And, well, he sort of has friends on the team now. And we saw him hand off twice at the end of the Michigan State game. But it, it's been a pretty sheltered season as far as like from the prying eyes of the media for Quinn Ewers. And I would love to find out uh, how he felt about this year. Did he, does he feel like it was the right decision in retrospect? Does he like the place where he's at going into the off season? What's he feeling like about the competition next spring? What has he learned from this first season? Uh, there's any number of fascinating topics about Mr. Ewers. And I think he's the obvious number one choice. Was anybody else going to pick somebody else first? Farts? No. That's why you pulled rank for the first time yeah, in the history of Buckeye What are you talking like, about? Like, <laughs> you better bring it. If you're going to take Quinn Ewers, your story better be awesome. And your questions better be awesome. No Mm -hmm. average Quinn fake story. Since it's not happening. No average Quinn Ewers stuff here. This is go time. By the time I was done talking to Tate Martell that day, we were brothers. So that's it. Like you got to get real with this guy. Cause this kid is going to try to tell you, sell you some kombucha or whatever he's selling. And then he's going to tell you a lot of, well, you know, I just try to get better every day. So you got to get in there, man. You maybe better grow a mullet out before the game. You got to establish some rapport. You have to start, maybe put a little twang in your voice. I don't know, man. You got to get in with Quinn Ewers because it's time to get real with that guy. I think the one thing you I've learned and the higher rated player they are, the more dull they are to personality. So sometimes you got to pull stuff out of them because they, you know, so that's what I'm like. If they're the number one player in the country, they have a number 35 million personality. What I was thinking about doing was getting like my senior pictures from 1996, where I had a pretty sweet Illinois waterfall working back there. And um, I could get, I could have that made into a t shirt mm. and I would wear it like under my, you know, the clothes that I'm wearing to cover the game. But once we get down to the locker room, I would just unbutton it and open it. And then that would be, we would have that connection from that point on. See, I respect it. So you earned the number one pick with that kind of approach. I was so sticking ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm two steps ahead of this. Good luck. Has there been, when was the last time there was a player of that tape? Hey, yeah. and I was the only one who got him in 2018 because he just happened to try to sneak out and I just happened to be walking out with him. It was a great day. I awesome own Tate. I own, I invented locker room interviews with Tate. So with Tate, <laughs> when you were in, when you were in college. I invented this, by the way. <laughs> People used to go around at the Big Ten Championship, and you know what they used to do in the locker room? Talk after to the, the Big stars. Ten Talk to the people who had good games in the Big Ten Championship game. So I'm glad you got Tate walking out the door, but this is where Doug makes his money. So I can't think of anything less important than talking to the guy who just had a big game, who's probably yeah. in the other room getting interviewed at the podium yeah. anyway. You're going to get somebody's going to transcribe that for you. I'm going to go talk to the guy who didn't play all season and ask him how he feels about that. Anything else? Go ahead and take the other one. Yeah. No, no. Let's just get the duck take of the other one, so we can, so this can be be fun. 
Yeah, but this is why you're the one. You said there's six guys in your top tier. It's no, top that's tier why two. I said let's get let's get fun. So this can be fun. So I'll take him McCord because you got to find out like where his head's at. So that's that's what this is about, and it's it's not about what he's learned. It's about where he thinks he is, where his head's at, the pecking order, the competition, how he thinks it might unfold. But anything you know that he's been, whatever. I th- I think you have a chance to get. I think you have a chance to get a little real with him, because you can talk about, you know, you're sort of kind of put in a tough spot in the Akron game, and and then you've you know had some opportunities mm-hmm. the rest of the way. But did you think so? I think I think you would have to Stephen's point. Stephen, you're right. There are times when it's like some guys who are super highly rated don't really want to talk. Kyle McCord's had enough experiences. Quinn, who is obviously the first choice, is going to talk about whether he found where the bathroom in the Woody was. Mm-hmm. Kyle McCord like played and learned and whatever, but also Kyle McCord had a full year of like, all right, well, CJ's here now. Quinn's here. Kyle, the guy is the guy getting pinched, so so he's clearly the second choice, and, and I think you would have a shot at a good conversation. Kyle McCord is a really good interview, and I've you know, I've obviously had gotten a chance to know him over the last couple of years here. He's an awesome interview, and yeah, to the point of. He played, and it was a point in the season where people were saying, we want to see another quarterback. Well, he's the quarterback everybody wanted to see, and he didn't really seize the opportunity. And it's been kind of it's been kind of downhill. Like, he hasn't really flashed much. Even in the small opportunities he has, he hasn't been great. And so what does that mean going forward in the future? Yeah, that, that, that will be a great story. One, because, you know, I, I think the people at Cleveland.com tend to ask really good questions, but then also come, when you mix that with a good interview, you get a good story typically. You hit the nail on the head, Doug, where it's like, where is his head at? Because in so many ways, this season unfolded exactly how he might have expected. I mean, he comes in, he competes for the starting job, didn't win out. And I'm not saying he would have, that's obviously not what he wanted, but CJ Stroud wins the starting job, the guy who'd been here for a year already, and goes on to have a pretty good year. McCord does get to play, but then now you're sitting in a situation where you're pinched. Like Stroud is really probably settled in as the starter for next year. You got yours coming in like a shooting star behind you. Where are you? Like, what are you thinking about? And how are you thinking about things going into the spring? We all assume this goes through the spring, but what is the mindset that you are you taking into the spring as, as this guy? And, and let's, we'll be frank. Like anybody who we think is like on transfer watch is always at the top of this list. And we Mm -hmm. usually don't like to speak that into existence with most players, but we've made an exception with the quarterbacks here because both Ryan day and the quarterbacks themselves have put that on the table from day one, just by the realities of this situation. So we got to know what's going on with him. Yeah. To that point, Jack Miller would have been third. He's a third. If he's still here, he's the third pick. No, he's not to that point. I think he might be. I wouldn't have picked him third. Everybody would know he was leaving, and he's fourth in the pecking order. Yeah. What's interesting about that? Well, now it is your pick, Stephen. Who are you taking third? Emeka Ibuka. We haven't really talked to him. We talked to him after a game, but that's not really the environment, you know, especially – I mean, we talked to him after a game because he had two awesome kick returns, but that's not really the environment to get a real story on the kid who was the number one wide receiver in the 2021 recruiting class and spent this year in a small role showing why that was the case, and now he's about to be – he's going to be one of those three starting receivers next year and when Chris and Garrett are leaving. And it's going to be him, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Marvin Harrison, and Julian. And that's very interesting. The, the, the thing to me is if this actually had been a Big Ten championship game that was played, if he had been 
not listed as unavailable again and then didn't play again, I want to know what's going on with that too. So there's both mm-hmm. like the long-term view on Igbuka and the immediate, like what's up? Why aren't you playing? Well, but the, the playing is like returning kicks mostly. Right. I mean, that's where, yeah, but he was the best kickoff returner in the big 10, arguably. I yeah, mean, but... he's, he's a weapon in, in a way. It's not just like he's Demario McCall back there. No offense to Demario. So the thing about when we're doing a draft like this is part of it is, recognition i'm gonna read your story of naming a headline the guy's the guy that people are interested in. and then the second thing is conflict what is the conflict of this person and so i had a mecca book seventh on my list it's a good pick but i don't think there's as much conflict with him it's like hey what's your deal it's like oh i'm gonna start next year it's like cool okay well how this year he goes like well i was learning and i returned kicks and i learned that not, but there's just i think there's a couple more guys that have more conflict to it because he's on track. There's no, mm-hmm. um, if you think, you know, sort of Nathan, what you're saying, if you think there's something to this, but like, I don't know, what would the thing be to it? Like, I, it, it, you know, it's not like he's in a doghouse or whatever. Like he's fine. No. So I, I have a couple other guys who are either maybe in more conflict or maybe even more unknown than a Buka that to your point, Stephen heard, you know, heard from him once after a game. I haven't really gotten to talk to him that much. But people have some idea of him. <laughs> and so he would have been like a second or third round pick for me. But but he's the, people need that stuff. Yeah, I, I, this is not really conflict, but it is like there is something to like we think that they're going to lose Garrett and Chris and be OK. But like, you know, there is small amount of what if they're not, you know, and I, I think that matters a little bit when you're replacing two All-American caliber players where, I mean, one of the guys, Doug, you wrote a story with the word Heisman in the headline with him. So that there is a, a small, that's a small percentage of it, but it does matter. But that's not a personal conflict within the player. Yeah. Emeka Buka yeah. cannot answer, are you going to be as good as Garrett Wilson in the yeah. locker room of the Big Ten championship game? Again, the idea of like guys who are like, hey, what are you doing? Like, are you happy? Are you mad? Or, or like, who are you? We have yeah. literally not seen you since you got here. I'd have a couple more guys like that. Uh, maybe maybe I should have had a book a little higher than seven, but but three's a good pick. I mean, he's in this next tier for sure. Nathan, where'd you have him? Did you have him pretty high on your list? Uh, uh, no, more like in your range. Really right around that, six, seventh, somewhere down in there. Okay. And only only probably that high because I was again keeping that sort of like immediate what's going on with you thing in mind too. And you get two pieces of content out of it instead of just one, and that's always important cleveland.com slash osu we're gonna take our first break here we're gonna come back and continue the fictional post big 10 championship game draft here on buckeye talk all right so we didn't discuss how we were going to do this since i pulled rank should we do the snake draft so it goes we don't usually longer to get back around to me we don't do snake here okay i don't think we've, we've never done snake i don't think have we we have, but only when it's like actually building a team or something like that. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. Where like, where yeah. like some competitive balance is important. That doesn't really come into play here. So I'm going to take Harry Miller with my next pick. It's just been oh. sort of an enigmatic situation all year with him. And I want to get more, as much, see how much he will be forthcoming about the actual details of where things went wrong and how much those are going to linger and what his 
mindset is and his preparation is for being ready for 2022 and, and where he fits in now, just because you've had now a whole season of Luke Whipler, you had a year where Matt Jones established himself as like the, the number six guy. You've got Donovan Jackson coming up fast. So where does Harry Miller fit into this offense and what's next for him? He was just a guy that I've been very curious about all year. And on top of all that, as Steven said, you know, you're going to get a good conversation out of it. You guys are in too much in love with Harry Miller. I, I'm, he's not even on my list. Go talk yeah, he about didn't, Shakespeare. No, no, no. I'm great. He's not on my list either. I think I get your point with the, the you know, where does he fit in thing. But, I mean, some of that might just be because he was hurt, so they picked some other guys. This could easily just simply be Harry Miller's a starting center again in 2022. So that, we'll that's see. the only reason he didn't make my list. Or starting guard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have a, 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 no more Harry Miller off topic conversations. So oh, I'm done with I don't it. No, talk no, no. To him about, I don't no, want to talk about all that. But stuff. you said he's, he's a gonna, good interview. He's going to be too good of an interview. No, no, no. It's not. No, he actually. No, 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 no. I, I, he actually is a good interview when you keep him on topic and you ask him real questions yeah. about football. That was the thing that I, I learned in fall camp. The problem is when everybody else wants to ask him about all this eclectic interest, which is fine. But when you actually you know, hammer him down with football stuff, when we started asking him about the Michigan State game and some of his issues last year, he's very good at that stuff to the point of Nathan saying he's a good interview. And he's a good interview when talking about his teammates, too. But this would be one of the only opportunities where you would probably ever get Harry Miller and only end up talking about football. And maybe all the Mm. the stupid TV guys there asking dumb questions about uh, whatever it is, you know, Harry Melville and um, the theory of relativity and whatever. Yeah, It's like, what you know what I'm saying? Like, this would be the one time you actually get to talk to Harry Miller for like 10 minutes about football. And you get to keep him on track, man. And it's it's great when you can do that. And I think he would be insightful about just the, the, the team in general this year and probably give us some good uh, thoughts on that. So that's why he was high on my list. But also just for things relative to just Harry Miller, the individual, a guy who was a five star and a guy who started last year and then who kind of just plummeted off the radar this year. Again, probably for legitimate injury reasons. Doug, your second pick. Taking G Scott. Because I want to know about the transition and let's have a deep conversation about you were one of the biggest wide receiver recruits and expectation for you. Like what is it like? Because because at least time, I think I can't remember what it was. It was after practice along the way somewhere where we saw him like sort of having like a kind of hardcore conversation assistant. And I can't. Kevin Wilson. Wilson. And one day I came out and he Alfred words conversation. I have enough little things like I wonder what this has been like for him when you are a guy who is practically a throw recruit and now your role is completely that metamorphosis I am intrigued by. You kind of went into your cocoon, you could come out as a tight end. So I want to see what that process has been like. And, and I imagine he might be better. He, he did deal with some injury this year. There were a couple games, at least one game where he was unavailable. But regardless of that, I think it's a great pick because – he is one of the big unknowns, especially as you start looking ahead to 2022. No uh, Jeremy Rucker anymore, and somebody's got to emerge as the best tight end on this team. He was high on my board, very high for the exact reason you just played out there. I mean, we've talked, they want him to be the Jeremy Rucker in the Jeremy Rucker Luke Farrell pairing. And I mean, this was his year to kind of get his feet wet in being that. And then next year, they might need him to like actually be Jeremy Rucker. So that mattered. And also, Another really good interview because grew up around professionals. He'll give you really good insight and really good answers as well. Really so, yes. smart. 
really. Yes. Because even when we asked him before the season about why he ended up making this decision, he like went into details like Richard Sherman told him, hey, you should be a tight end. You know, he really went into detail about all that stuff. So it'll be interesting to talk to him. Um, quick market down Friday here. Who is Ohio State's starting tight end on opening day 2022? And is he currently on the roster? Cade Stover. Wow, there you go. <laughs> there's like a 2% of me that's like, there's somebody in the transfer portal looking at Oklahoma, just like losing everybody. Maybe they go after one of those guys. But yeah, I'll say Cade Stover for now. I, I think it probably is Cade Stover as things stand right now. Steven, your third pick. Second pick. Second, second. pick, sorry. Yeah. Second pick. Third pick of the second round goes to you. Court Williams, what's up here? I mean, that guy got here. Um, he was a, the epitome of a new position. They had raved about him his entire, you know, offseason, the weird offseason that it was, and then he tore his ACL. And then he really didn't get fully healthy until like three or four weeks into the season. And then once he got, we got a chance to get out there and see him, he started doing stuff a lot and having these moments that made you think maybe he should be a regular in the rotation here and get him on the field. And if regardless of what Ronnie Hickman decides to do, I think he needs to be on the field next year. So I do think there is some room for it. But also another guy who's a really good interview, but there's definitely room here with Court Williams where it's like everybody's interested in what is up with that guy. Hasn't he talked a couple times this year? Once after the Indiana game because he like had seven tackles and scrub and garbage time. On my list. Like I know the Court Williams. The most devoted guy they ever saw. Player. He was from an ACL this year, so he didn't play a ton, but I'll probably next year. Yeah, I, I want to have a Court Williams conversation, but I want to have it with multiple members of this defensive staff, probably. I don't know how enlightening Court Williams will necessarily be, but I'm, I'm curious where he where they see him. I mean, I guess they see him as a bullet, but you've got Ronnie Hickman there now. There's just a lot of moving pieces, I feel like, on defense, and it may depend on who they bring in to lead this defense as to where these pieces fit in for 2022. I have a handle on court. There's more guys I don't have a handle on. So my pick is up. I'm going to take another member of the secondary, I think. I'm going to take Cameron Martinez. I don't remember how recently we talked to him. If we talked to him after the season started. Didn't we talk to him after that? We had one good game, right? We talked to him after he had the pick six, and I think we got it once during, like, the midweek. Was that Tulsa? Yes. It was either Tulsa or Akron. And then – but then – but that was, like – not only was that the last time we talked to him, it was, like, one of the last times he was, like, on the field. Like, he was – it. We he seemed like he was at this moment where he was moving and he was going to take a bigger role, and then the exact opposite happened. He became a – just a, a very distant member of this – secondary it seemed like he was in the I know that they moved him back and were using him as depth at free safety that may have been the reason that they just shifted all of his attention to there and they thought that they were covered enough at cover safety uh, no pun intended that they could afford to have him focus there and not confuse him or whatever but it just seemed like such a moment where he was having a breakthrough and was gonna really contribute to this defense and then just nothing so I'm curious how he processed that and 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 what they're telling him as far as who he is and what he is for this defense in 2022. 
you guys are not going far enough off the board. Like you, you're picking people that we've seen. I have I have guys that like have not played at all that I am more interested in. But Cam Martinez was on my list because his situation seems to have completely changed since the last time we talked to him. He it was he played cover safety. It was like, wow, you're great at that. We think you're going to play a lot of cover safety now. And then he stopped playing cover safety, and then he started playing deep safety. And it's like almost like talking to a new guy. We have never talked to deep safety Cam Martinez. So I had him ninth on my list. You're picking him seventh. So so I think it's I think he's a good guy to talk to, but um, I just think there's some more deep sleepers here. Yes, we've never talked to Cam Martinez free safety. Is he still a free safety? Is he a free safety in 2022 when they get Josh Parker back? Probably. And you've also still got Bryson Shaw. Like I'm there's just a lot that I think is is in the, uh, the, in the, the question of like why you were playing one position, you look pretty good at it, then you stopped playing that position and started playing another position. What's up? Is there is a lot, there is yeah. a lot there. There is a lot there. Very specific conflict. Conflict. There's conflict. There's conflict. And I do think I don't know that he's a magic headline name, but I think he's close. Like because he, yeah. he has such a skill set. I think he's a very talented athlete that they're trying to figure out what to do with him. And that process generally is very interesting. This guy's a football player. So where's he fit? Because you think if you can get the right fit, he might be a playmaker. So I, I do think there's a lot there. All right, Doug, give us one of your guys that is more off the radar. So so I have a couple guys. I actually have skipped a guy who I had ranked higher, but as the more I think about it, I keep moving him down the list. So I'm going to go. There's two guys that I think of as a pair, and I kind of wanted to get one of them, and I was going to almost wait for one of them to go, and I'll take the other, but I'll just take one. So I'll take Jordan Hancock mm. at cornerback because there are two young cornerbacks here, and there are cornerbacks leaving, and we think – these are guys who are possible solutions. So Jordan Hancock, who was once committed to Clemson, then flipped to Ohio State. He was a higher rated guy than Denzel Burke, but he wasn't here in the spring. Those guys have had no role. Jordan, Jordan Hancock had no role this year. But the idea of, hey, the program that you were once committed to kind of had a wacky year. Man, now you're here. Now what do you think? Like, where are you? What did you learn? What do you think your role is next year? He might start against Notre Dame to open the season next year. And he has like never played and we've never talked to him since he was a Buckeye. So this is a, and he's like a top 50 national recruit. So this is a guy in the shadows that like when he got here, it was like, yowza, like this is a pretty big stinking deal um, to get this guy. He was a number 73 overall recruit. Ja'Kalen Johnson was a number 50 overall recruit. I just took Hancock a little more because of like, you could also ask him about like, what do you think of Clemson sucking this year? But <laughs> I think they're both good picks and they're both super they were not, they were not like they were not, they were non-factors this year on the field, but I want to see what's up. I guess so let me just go. Okay. So we can just talk to this in the pair and then, cause that's where I was going to go. I was going to take Kalen Johnson because I mean, I've talked to him. I've talked to his father and their plan was to be the Jeff Okuda plan this year. It's a special teams role at worst next year. You're starting or you're at least in whatever this, you know, play playing three guys who two role is. And then in year three, you're an all American and you're out the door to be an all to be a first round draft pick. And he didn't get, he didn't do any of that one because he spent the most of the season hurt with some type of injury. So that plays a role in it as well. But yeah, to Doug's point, the starting cornerbacks next year might be Jordan Hancock, Denzel Burke and Jacqueline Johnson. And we've talked to one of those three the entire year. I think those are both good picks. They were like the next rung up on my list Um, for Jacqueline Johnson. There's even like a sort of a 
a feature thing I want to talk to him about. So he was the one that I had higher on my list than, than those St. two. St. Louis. Kind of went St. Louis stuff? Mm-hmm. I had some St. Louis stuff I wanted to ask him about um, that I thought would be fun. Not not just what you're talking about, Doug, but even some other stuff. Um, and, and so um, I think both those guys are fascinating because Ohio State is still paying the price of the blip that it had in cornerback recruiting, right? I mean, you're still seeing that on the field. You're still seeing them put, uh, you know, Denzel Burke, fixed it a little bit this year. I think you're still seeing the deficiency of those years. I know what you're saying. Denzel Burke fixed it a little bit in terms of maybe they still didn't have stupendous cornerback play every snap across the board. But imagine if Denzel Burke didn't do what he did. Right. Like Denzel Burke did everything mm-hmm. he could do for a true freshman who was ranked in the 200s or 300s. Like he saved their bacon this year. And it's just uh, of all the times – you know, I'm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Denzel Burke was 196. There's a lot of stuff that is making me feel old in college football right now, and making me feel old and cranky. And the idea that we have gone so far down the road of early enrollees that now it's almost weird if you don't early enroll. Mm. Yeah, and it's if, like if you why? don't early enroll, you're sacrificing playing your freshman year. Basically, it's like why. Like we like kids can't go to high school. You can't finish your high school year. Like that's out. You can't go to your senior prom. You can't play like your final year of basketball in high school. Like that's mm. nope. That's just not how it works anymore. I think there's a lot of stuff that we've gone down the road on in college football that seemed like a good idea at the time that now has become the norm that blows. And this is on that list. And so that it was so stark, the right that Jordan Hancock and Jacqueline Johnson did not early enroll, right? Mm-hmm. And Denzel Burke did. And the end game of that was one was a starter from week one the whole year, and the other two never saw the field. And I would hate, and it's fine. Like Jordan Hancock and Jacqueline Johnson are fine. They are they are they will probably be very good players at Ohio State. But man, I hope they don't feel like, oh my God, I can't believe I I decided to what? go to high school for your your entire senior yeah. year? Like, why are we there? Why is that the, uh, I'll write this down. Why, why is that the norm? What is so important? Like college football, it's, they don't want you to go to the pros early, but they want you to get in early. Like they have to have your hands on you all the time. They don't, like if you leave, if you opt out of a bowl game, you're disloyal. But if you don't leave your, your high school basketball team, you don't, you're not trying hard enough. Like it's crap. And I'm, I'm just feeling a little bit. Cause there's, there's a top 100 recruit in my daughter's high school. It's like, he's, I've talked about it. He's leaving. He's leaving. Right. And it's just, a, I just got, I'm getting like an up close look of like at just the kid, you know, it's Caden Saunders. Who's a top 100 recruit going to Penn state, but he's just a kid. And like, Oh, Caden's leaving. It's like, well, you want to know why it's crazy? Why it's, it's crazy. Cause so Paris Johnson went to St. X before he transferred to Cincinnati Princeton. And the only reason he transferred is because he went to a Catholic school that wouldn't allow him to early enroll. So he left the school he spent his entire career at, gave up a chance to win a state championship because St. X is typically really freaking good at football. So he could go to a public school just so he could show up early and then have that ruined by COVID. So it's not, he didn't even get the early enrolling experience. So he might as well have just stuck in at St. X and just showed up in the summer. 
but like it started. And again, this is in the book. Dante Whitner was like one of the first guys who did it at Ohio state. It's like, he did it. Dante Whitner was like a businessman when he was 17. Dante Whitner was like, I'm getting to the NFL in three years. And I am like, I am hyper-focused. So he came after Ohio state won the national championship in 2002. Everybody's celebrating who shows up. Nobody knows him. Nobody talks to him. Nobody will give him a ride. And he's like here as like the early enrollee, like the only guy here. And that's almost 20 years ago now. But he did that because like Dante Whitner was like all about business. I don't know that Dante Whitner was longing for the things he was giving up. He was like, I'm giving them up because I got a plan. And his plan made him a top 10 pick in the NFL draft and a pro bowler who's now an announcer. Like Dante Whitner's plan worked, but the result is Jordan Hancock can't finish his senior year of high school. Like why, why are we here? And and I don't know. It's like anything in life. If the answer is because that's the way it works or because everybody else is doing it, it's like, well, then can we reevaluate? There's a lot. I think college football has a lot of stuff right now. And it's not even tradition, like old guy. Well, I've been doing this since 1890s because this is new. I think we've gone too far. So, and, and now it feels like Cock and Kalen Johnson vanished when actually they were just normal, but normal isn't good enough anymore. You've got to be accelerated. So I'm yeah, very it, eager to talk to both those guys. So I think they're two good picks here. I hear what you're saying. And it, certainly there are academic students who excel to the point where they enter college early, but that's usually like such a rare thing that they're like, they're on the news about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this guy's 14, but he's enrolling or he's, she's 13. She's enrolling as a freshman this year at wherever school. And like, that's a, it, it's so rare, but with football, the opposite is now the rarity. And like with academics, they made a TV show about it. It was called Dookie Hauser MD. Steven, please hit your middle-aged white guy buzzer. So <laughs> that's, Quinn Ewer is like stressed himself out to get one extra class. This would be he could also show up not only six months early, but another six months early. And he's probably and he, like G- G- Gavin Wimsat did it at Rutgers. Like it's not Quinn Ewers is not alone in doing that. Well, but that's not even what we're talking about. We're talking about normal early enrollee. Yeah. At least Quinn Ewers got a million bucks. So we're just talking about like it is normal to graduate in December, show up in January, and start your college life. And why? Why is that normal now? Because what? Because it used to be, well, it gives you an advantage, but now it actually turns out that it's normal and it actually puts everybody else who wants to be a high school kid behind. Mm -hmm. So I think that blows. And if the NCAA said, you can't do that anymore. What would be the downside of the NCAA saying, can't do that anymore? Guess what you have to do? Go through high school. (laughs) Like, what if they said that? Like, what would, what would happen? I don't, well, I don't know how the NCAA, the NCAA can't prohibit a student who is done with high school from enrolling at the college. But you can say that no, you can say no mid-year enrollees may participate in spring football. Mm-hmm. You can certainly do that. Yeah, it might change the the early signing day period too. Because if I mean the whole point of signing early is so you can early enroll. So if you if you take away that benefit, then maybe you see more kids take their time and not rush to feel like. You know, maybe Devin Brown or CJ Stroud, who are like who are like blowing up late in their recruitments, don't feel like they need to rush and make a decision in three weeks just so they can sign and get on a campus. But frankly, this is something that 
this would be this is the kind of conversation that we should be having on the drive to Indianapolis because then everybody that we talk to in the locker room, all three of us, can ask that question: Did you really enroll or not? And did you feel pressured to do it? Do you wish that you hadn't had to do it? Do you you know what I'm saying? And then that's mm-hmm. we can get it. We can get an actual well-rounded piece out of it there because we can sit here and talk about it as much as we want. But what do the players themselves actually feel about it? How many of them candidly would tell you? Yeah, it was really a bummer that like all my friends got to go off and, and like finish their high school lives. And I had to come get you know ground into the floor by Chase Young or whatever as a freshman offensive lineman my first spring. Although I guess he was he left pretty early, too. <laughs> he wasn't here for a lot of their freshman uh, springs either. So we're going to take another break. We're going to come back and finish this draft here on Buckeye Talk. Quick recap of the players that we've taken so far in our fictional post-Big Ten Championship game interview draft. Quinn Ewers, Kyle McCord, Emeka Egbuka, Harry Miller, G. Scott Jr., Court Williams, Cam Martinez, Jordan Hancock, and Ja'Kalen Johnson. And kind of along the same lines of guys who have not been heard from or and rarely seen, and it's a position of interest right now, intense interest, uh, so with my next pick, I'm going to take Reed Carrico, who was a top 100 prospect and would potentially be in the mix to play a lot of linebacker next year, except you've got everybody who played linebacker this year, except Taraja Mitchell is coming back and you've got two really highly touted prospects coming in behind. So what did he get out of this year and where does he kind of see himself fitting in either positionally or in just sort of the, the hierarchy right now at that position? Because it's it's the position that every fan on this team is asking us about right now. I tweeted something out last night, tweeted out the link to my story about uh, Devin Brown committing, and somebody quickly retorted back, can he play linebacker? Because that's like that's the position of interest from the fans on this team. Is like, how does that position get fixed for 2022? And so is he part of that solution? I also think he would be interesting. This is one that goes again. I think you guys had mentioned like sort of talking to a player about other, what was it like in that room? So to ask mm-hmm. about what was it like when Dallas Gant left? What was it like when Kayvon Pope left? What's it been like with Taraja, who's a captain and by the end of the year wasn't playing? What's it like with Neoteote and his injury and him trying to deal with all this stuff? What's it been like trying to watch Tommy Eichenberg and Cody Simon sort of seize their roles? Like, I think you could almost spin. I think there's a story that you could almost tell of a top 100 freshman in Ohio state's linebacker room and the year he never saw coming or whatever, you know what I mean? Like you tell mm-hmm. the story of what happened in there through the eyes of basically the only guy who didn't play other than Mitchell Melton, who was hurt. And you understood why this is not like a shot at Reed right. Carico. It's a true freshman. He, he shouldn't yes. be playing, but like, it's like, Hey, I'm a freshman at Ohio state. Cool. And it's like, <laughs> and what does it tell us about what we should expect from the two, two freshmen who are coming in next year? Yeah, so I, I would be curious if Reed would have just like a good, a good Reed would have Reed on the year and to your point is of great interest to our listeners and readers. Great pick, great you know concept. He might be tough Portland though, as far as a talker. For real, yeah. I, I've had some good conversation with Tough Borland over the years, so it, it, I think it depends on the scenario. We, we'll see how that goes. I actually, um, you picked him 10th. I had him exactly 10th on my list. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good pick here. Next up for you, Doug. So I'm going to have that on my original list who's still here and then who I wound up taking as a head of. So there are two guys that I am still really excited about that were in my 10 that are still available. And this guy, 
I think I think still counts as like a in the shadows really has not done anything kind of guy who could have a much bigger role next year. I don't know if it's a kind of conflict, but I'm curious about progress and the path to his role at least a little winded. It's not a hundred percent clear. So I'm going to take Evan Pryor because we have talked about, Hey, maybe Pryor should be the number two running back next year. What has his year been like? And I am making my little so intrigued by that. Had him third after the two quarterbacks. And then I kind of was like, I kind of want to talk about you, but I think there was a amount of interest, ability, talent, special ability to continue next year and enough conflict to make me want to talk to him i think he's a good sleeper pick which is why he shouldn't be hot because it's like he was always on a different plan than travion but now it's like that it's time for that plan to kick in like the first year was yeah. clearly i gotta learn how to be a in between the tackles running back because i really didn't have to do it very much while travion is off being a superstar and now I got to it's time to go. And I've, I, I had like a side conversation with Travion about that. And they've been really supportive of each other in, in that concept. And it's been part of the reason why this has worked is that no one's jealous of what the other one is doing. So I do like that content. Yeah, I, he would have been very high on my list of like first people I would hope that we get in the spring. I don't know if I needed to get him in this scenario, but the more the way you talk about it, Doug, I think it, it's probably wrong. I think he probably does need to be pretty high on this list because he could be he could be the guy next year behind Trevion. Like we, we don't know. And it's, it's um, that's what this is kind of all about. It's like how, cause that when I look at this list, I think of in terms of what's a question a reader would have, what's a question one of our tech subscribers would have. What's a, what's a question they might be asking us next time we get a rapid fire. Like is Evan Pryor ready to be the number two? Can he be the number two? And um, I'd like to go find out what Evan Pryor thinks about that. So I think that's a good pick. Steve, why don't you close us out with your fourth pick? Um, I'm not sure if I'm shocked he's still on the board or not, but Talik Williams is second on his team in snaps and he, I mean, in, in sacks and he barely played and it always seemed like he should have had a bigger role than he had. And I, and we have never talked to him. He's on my list. Just didn't get around to him, but because mm-hmm. of that, because he, he had flashed so much and we had not really had access to him. He's definitely somebody that I thought one of us should probably get to. Like he's the second highest graded player on the roster and on the defensive side. And I mean, we all thought JT and Jack would do something this year because of what they are. And they had roles. Mike Hall was probably next on the list. If you have the four defensive linemen, if you had to rank which one's going to have the biggest impact, you probably said Jack first because he's been working with Larry Johnson since he was five. JT second because he's JT. Mike Hall third because he's a top 50 recruit from Ohio. And then Talik Williams, he maybe just has to wait a year because he's the 166 player in his class. Except he had the most impressive year of the four. And he's, a you know. I mean, that's that came out of nowhere and he didn't necessarily have the opportunities that the especially JT and Jack had to do so. On my list, I originally had 15 guys and then I made my top 12. So he was not one of my top 12, but I think it's a good case all around. You've been really good. And then again, played more. Well, he's a true freshman. Sometimes when you're a true freshman, the reason not so high is because you're not playing too much and you're not getting exposed Mm -hmm. and you're not getting worn down. I think this is an acknowledgement of his contributions and letting him talk about how good he's been this year. And I think there's value, and I think people would want to read that and hear about it. Agreed. So 
we I tried to keep this realistic. Like we'd each pick four because in in a in a in the scenario we're talking about, oftentimes you don't even get to your fourth guy sometimes because time is is constrained. But since this isn't really what we're picking here, um, who else? Who was like the next guy on your lists that didn't get picked? Jackson. Five defensive linemen has oh, had yeah, this yeah, nice, yeah. nice little wrinkle roll as a uh, blocking back in the goal line sometimes looking like a guy that we expect to compete for a starting job on the interior next year. Not a lot of conflict had a nice tiny, had a nice little true freshman and will be expected in the spring to compete for a job. So not a lot of conflict, but big dude who I all think is going to be a big time player here that I'm not sure we've. We did. Yeah. Fall. We talked to him in fall camp. Okay. Um, And that's about it. Yeah, that's just it's just more of a hey, what's up here? A guy who's probably yeah. going to compete in the fall, and you know he had a he's on track. He's on the Harry Miller Paris Johnson track of year year one, you're a backup, year two, you're a starter. Um, there isn't I would say there isn't conflict today with him, but there's definitely a competition that's stirring with yeah. those in, interior spots. So it's not like he is conflicted in some way because um, he's he got demoted or he lost a job or whatever. He's the one coming up, but he's swimming into a conflict a little bit here. Cause our expectation would be that there's probably four guys for three spots on the interior as it stands with Donovan Jackson, Matthew Jones, Luke Whippler and Harry Miller. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that could be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, Jansen Dunn a little bit because they're obviously Josh Proctor, but Jansen Dunn, I think they didn't really have options outside of Bryson Shaw with free safety. And a lot of that was Josh Proctor got knocked out. And then Jansen Dunn was on and off the unavailability report all year. And that was a guy who flashed in the spring, flashed in the fall. They brought him in here. I remember talking to him in the, during the recruiting process, they told him to be, they wanted him to watch Jordan Fuller film. Cause that's exactly what they want them to be. And it's like, I mean, they didn't have options at free safety. They just had to kind of stick with Bryson Shaw and hope he grew in that role because this guy wasn't healthy enough to you know contribute. There are a couple of guys in that just for sort of like for posterity that you almost want to check in with one of them being Josh Proctor on my like, list. Are you coming yeah. back for sure? And how's the leg? Like there's, there's a lot of things you can do with that, but if he comes back next year and you still got Bryson Shaw, then I don't know what the, it affects the role of people like Jansen Dunn, Cameron Martinez, like where do those guys fit in? So I think that's an important one. And, and I do think there's reflection in there. The idea yeah. of, hey, man, did you think if you were healthy, would you guys have won the Michigan game? Right. That kind of stuff that which is, again, it's not earth shattering kind of stuff. But like some of the guys, it's like, hey, you were hurt. And you didn't get to play. It's like, yeah, I was hurt. I'll get healthy. and I'll try to play. Josh Proctor was playing, had a season ending injury. They put in his backup. Bryson Shaw actually graded out pretty high this year. But we talked about it a lot, you know, not a great angle on the Blake Corum 55 yard run. Just like that emotional thing of he was maybe turning into a leader for a defense that in the end kind of wasn't good enough. He, he might maybe would be open to like an emotional discussion about like, this was driving me crazy kind of stuff. You might be able to take it a step further. And I mean, he got hurt pretty early on in that Oregon game before some of those big plays happened. So it's yeah. Michigan game. Hey, would you, would Ohio state be undefeated right now? Had you played like that's real. Would, uh, would Ohio State be undefeated if Josh Proctor never got hurt is a pretty good headline as you then talk to Josh Proctor about that idea. Yeah. yeah. 
along those same lines, like at some point, I mean, we get Juan Jones all the time, but get his impressions on what he's thinking as far as, because he's the one that I think is maybe the most impactful unknown NFL draft decision. Is that fair to say right now? Yes. If, if he were to make the jump, it affects things the most. It affects things more than like the people like even seven banks and cam Brown, I would say who we, you know, uh, but if, if, if Jones leaves, then can one of those guys that we're talking about as four for three spots at guard, can one of them play right tackle? Could Harry Miller play right tackle? Like it opens up a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially I think, there's almost a conversation of like, what was your thought process in this before you played Michigan and did like Aiden Hutchinson single-handedly make you come back to Ohio state next year? Well, but like the thing with Dewan still is relatively raw just because yeah. he didn't, as we've covered many yeah. times and written about, yeah. he didn't dedicate himself to football until like the middle of last year. That NFL decisions in the locker room of the big 10 championship game. It's hard to get real answers on stuff. Right. But he would, there would, it's like, well, Sometimes I'm at to the point of sometimes it's like, what's the point of even asking that question, right? Because you're going to get an answer that doesn't mean anything. I think there's a way that you could ask that question of Dewan Jones. Are you thinking about the NFL? That if he says, are you kidding me? I've only learned like 20% of how to play right tackle. There's no way I'm leaving. That you could be like, oh, well, yeah, oh, no, I actually believe that. And like he thinks the discussion, which we are having, is ludicrous on the surface, that would be valuable. And so I yeah. think like there's an opening of like, I can imagine how you might get an answer that means something. Yeah. I remember in the 2019 season, I think it was Spencer Holbrook from Letterman row was the first one to get to Wyatt Davis and ask him like, are you, are you thinking about the NFL and Wyatt Davis immediately like, Nope, I'm back next year. And like, so sometimes you can get those guys and they're that far away from the decision. Like for instance, Nicholas Petit Frere, it's like in his face. Like if he's already decided it, he's probably not going to say it that night. Or like someone like Josh Myers was last year. I think it was like so mm-hmm. present for them that it was so real that it's it could maybe either go either way. But asking someone who is who where it really would seem to be almost a stretch in some ways if they go or they would have to be reaching a little bit. And I think he would qualify there. And maybe that's what I was thinking. Like he might be the he might shoot that down immediately. And now you don't have it's something you don't have to speculate on for the next few weeks. And he also could say. You know what? I really felt like I came a long way this year. It's something I'm really going to have to think about. And then right. you'd be like, oh, yeah. dang, like this yeah. is real now. Right. Anybody else you want to talk about before we sign off? JT? Yeah. JT? Do yeah, I was gonna, like, yeah, like let's just kind of because I was going to you're going to say JT. I'm going to say Jack. I just think to the point of this is we're going to get them a lot over the next two years. But this might be the last time we get them before like there's 30 million people in their face all the time. And we can't really like go off to the side with them. And JT, yeah. I think with Jack, something I said in the summer, the idea that he could be the modern day Mike Vrabel and like there's a way to tie in like he just watched Aiden Hutchinson like do that kind of for Michigan, be a guy from Michigan and like use all that motivation and all that you know emotion to basically win a game for Michigan in the Ohio State football rivalry. And then the idea of like there wasn't enough Ohio guys on the field. Well, Jack is that. And this is maybe the opportunity where you could sit down with him and have that five minute discussion with him when there's not. When he's not, when they're not Chase Young yet, you know what I'm saying. And I think this is yeah. like the, to that point with those two. This is the last time we get to do that because next year they might be out of here. You know the funny thing about it is though, in this they're not gonna be out of here. They're, be you know what I mean? Like out of here as far as like now they're famous, famous, and it's like. Okay. I, but but in, in this make believe scenario, 
Ohio State wouldn't have lost the Michigan game, which would have changed a lot of the trajectory of questions and things that we would have asked some of these guys. They would have won that game and they would be playing for the Big Ten Championship. I had Jack Sawyer higher on my list than JTT only because we got JTT. I guess it's we got JT, Jack right? It's, we've it's, just JT. JT. It's, either, it's either JT or it's Jalen Tuimoloau. Well, we can One call him two. JT Tuimoloau. We just don't we don't call him JTT because there's actually not two T's, right? Yes. That was just I just we like that was like a thing that yes. we like learned in the middle of the year. Okay. I think he still had does he still have JTT on like his social media accounts? Anyway. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Tuamalo. Mr. Tuamalo, I had Jack Sawyer higher just because um I'm curious how just how he felt how this season played out for him, where I, I think we had maybe our expectations were too high, um, but the impact wasn't as as high as we had set it. So how does he feel about that? Like, how did, how does he feel like this season? It's went? the two sides of the same coin. I feel like JT had the impact we thought Sawyer would have. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. And vice yeah. versa. That when in the Michigan game, I think we literally had this conversation about Jack Sawyer in the Michigan game. In the Michigan game, yeah. Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith started. And when they put in the second team defensive ends, they put in Javante Jean-Baptiste and a true freshman, but it wasn't Jack Sawyer. It was JT. So like to have both sides of that, I think would make sense because the whirlwind of JT, Hey man, you got here like in July and you played real snaps in the Michigan game and were really yeah. good this year. I think there's, there's value to that as well, but also not that Jack, again, not that Jack Sawyer was disappointing, but sort of how you phrased it, Nathan, that maybe what we thought and what it was like, just the progress of that. Well, and Jack Sawyer, you could argue, ended up having a season not terribly unlike the Chase Young freshman season. It's just mm-hmm. that the Chase Young freshman season didn't have another true freshman jumping ahead of him, right. whereas Jax does. But that's just sort of coincidental. He still is on pace, potentially, to unfold yeah. in, in, along the same lines. There was like an X's and O's element that I think we all kind of you know, overlooked when Larry Johnson explained basically when I asked him like why JT's playing more, it's because one's better at stopping the run and there's more opportunities to do that than there is to rush the passer, which is fine. Like no, there, no one's disappointing. It's just, we look, if we'd have looked at it from that point of view and not just Jack's been here for nine months already, maybe we would have had a different projection for how this was going to go. I would not have, because I still would have leaned on one guy's been here for nine months and one guy decided yeah. to be a Buckeye two weeks ago. So I think that, for JT Tumaloau to decision that late in the process, which is fine, but then contribute like he did as a true freshman is quite a credit to him. I, I am. That is, that is really quite a thing to pull off. We're talking about that. Jacqueline Johnson and Jordan Hancock didn't play because Denzel Burke was here in the spring. JT didn't get here till July. JT didn't even know he was coming until July. <laughs> like that is that is yeah. that is quite remarkable and some sign of what this guy might be that he was able to flip the switch that quickly. Do you have another one, Doug? Before we the only off? two other guys who were on my list on my top fifteen, Paris Johnson, because I like talking to Paris, and I think there's continues to be a real conversation to be had of like you mm-hmm. weren't put on this earth to be a guard, and you played guard all year, and you were pretty darn good, and now it's your time to be tackle soon. And what's mm-hmm. it been like? And we've had versions of that conversation with Paris sort of the year, but I like having that conversation with Paris. And I think he is smart and real and doing what the team wants him to do while willing to admit like, this is not exactly, you know, what, what he would pick to do in an ideal world. And I always think those conversations are valuable. And then the last one is this, I don't, I wouldn't actually pick this guy, but Jake Seibert, 
Like we thought you were going to be the kicker and the transfer came in and then you weren't the kicker. And I don't know, like that, that conversation is a little bit too much. Like, man, this didn't work out. I thought, huh? Which is not a great Definitely thing for a 48 year old person to ask a 20 year old kid. Cause he already knows it didn't work out the way he wanted it to work out. And I'm not sure what to say, but. If Nicholas Petit Frere comes back, would that be more or less shocking than Chris Olave coming back? Less. Yeah. And if Nicholas Petit Frere and Dewan Jones both come back, what does Ohio State do with Paris Johnson Jr. next year? Uh, wish him well at USC. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm just, I mean, I'm not. I I mean, like that's it's, there's it's not worth having a conversation about because they can figure it out when they get to that point. Hashtag too many good players. But like, I don't know. Does they might have to tell Nicholas Petit Frere to go because Paris Johnson doesn't matter how good you were. Paris Johnson deserves that left tackle spot next yeah. year. Yeah, Nicholas Petit Frere is done with school. He's been here four years. I, I think it's. I, I don't think. I don't think he's coming back. I'd be shocked if he came back. I think it might actually, in some ways, be even more surprising than Lave because Lave was only three years. He still had another year. There were the, that that factors into it a little bit. But but it's just, just that Chris it was like a first round pick, and Chris. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the thing. I don't. I don't think NPF's a first round pick. From but from the standpoint of like. You know, Chris coming back really didn't block anybody. I mean, since exactly. the way to Alabama, but well, that's true. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I'm not gonna block you know, the time yeah. zone. We would and, uh, ask, we'd ask Paris if he's just gonna pick up Jamison Williams' apartment lease <laughs> in so, Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding, but like Paris Johnson, the world. He needs to be the a left world tackle. cannot exist in unless Paris Johnson plays tackle no. for a college football team next year. Like it's ridiculous. Like it's so. So that's the thing. I understand the question that you're asking. Actually, the the Chris in a silo. I would. Be, I was more surprised about Chris coming back than I would be at NPF coming back from like their draft status standpoint. Yeah. But in terms of ramifications for the team, how the roster fits together, actually NPF coming back would be more of a shock to the plan of his position group. That's going to do it for this fake draft that we threw together. We will have Ohio State Intel to pass on to you this weekend. We are scheduled tentatively to get Ryan Day on Sunday after Ohio State's bowl situation is announced. Again, it'll probably be the Rose Bowl unless Iowa beats Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. And then things get a little bit sideways. Could be a Peach Bowl situation, opponent unknown, but but somewhere in the in the uh, the New Year's Six situation so when that happens we are recording a podcast on sunday and we will give it to you on sunday it won't you don't have to wait till monday morning to get it so we will turn that around fast and get you uh, the thoughts on the bowl game but also other things that ryan day will talk about leftover stuff from the michigan game and and the direction of of where some decisions are heading maybe and, and and what's going on the status of the program in general so be listening for that on sunday late afternoon probably until then I'm Nathan Baird. For Doug Lee Maurice and Stephen Means, that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>